Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If you are a true legend of your game, does that blind you to true talent evaluations? That's been the case thus far for Michael Jordan. Not much success as an owner in the NBA was true of Dan Marino. And now following in his footsteps, it is very true of John Elway, Hall of Fame quarterback now running the Denver Broncos. It's hour number two on a Tuesday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. We'll talk Broncos. We'll talk Jalen Ramsey, his future with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania, still trying to digest all of his Chick-fil-A from absolutely crushing it. Yeah, here's my bio. Overrated hair, avid flip cupper, living in a world of suck. That is what Emmanuel Sanders said of my once proud Denver Broncos. Ross Tucker, I think it's time to bring in your bio here. It's been a little while and getting it updated. Uh, how did Chick-fil-A go down and what do you make of your bio? <laughs> oh man for the people that aren't watching on radio.com slash home or the radio.com app my bio says ted cronkite fan <laughs> that's an inside joke that if you haven't been listening religiously you probably missed stomach hurts from chick-fil-a there's some truth to that i have spent uh, a decent amount of time on the porcelain throne since last evening and uh, yes, I did go to Princeton, 2028 national champs, thanks to Jeff Bezos and the new rule that Gavin Newsom just signed out there in California. You can pretty much just bet on that right now. That's a that's a winner. This is like Back to the Future, and I'm Biff, okay? And I know <laughs> what happens, all right? I know that Princeton wins it all. No idea what question did you even ask me. You You mentioned the bio thing, so I went right to the bio and- Stop listening to what you asked me right there. Well, let's spin it forward to my Denver Broncos. We'll get into your Chick-fil-A experience with Dustin Hawkinsmith in just a couple of minutes. But first, the Denver Broncos, 0-4. First time since John Elway retired. They are 1-7 in their last eight home games. Two weeks ago, Emmanuel Sanders said we are in a world of suck. Chris Harris, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, said last week, storming out of the locker room, huh? Eh? 13 more weeks for me. Look, minus a bad roughing the passer call, they beat the Bears. A little clock management, and they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nonetheless, they are now 0-4, and Bradley Chubb, one of the best defensive players in the league, is now out for the rest of the season with the partially torn ACL. That once potent or thought it would be potent pass-rushing combo of he and Vaughn Miller is now split in half. 
and nothing looks like it's going to get any better with the Denver Broncos. And with so many teams, Ross, it comes down to developing a quarterback. You're in a world of hurt in the NFL if you don't have the right signal caller. And what's strange about this is John Elway is one of the greats who has ever stepped on the football field from, from his days at Stanford and all through the Broncos winning Super Bowls. Uh, and it's so strange. Why can't this guy evaluate his position and the most important position on the football field? He has struggled mightily in that capacity. You know why? And there's a couple of different things here. But the biggest reason in my mind is because I think on some level the game has changed. You know, what he really covets or appreciates about quarterbacks, I think has changed a lot. He, he, you know, John Elway's a big guy with a really strong arm. And I'll tell you, I can speak to this from experience, but you, you tend to have an affinity for what you were, your traits, right? You always feel like your traits are undervalued. I, I, I think that more teams should have offensive linemen that are smart and tough and versatile and maybe sacrifice a little bit in terms of athletic ability to get those type of guys. It's also why you'll see guys that were running backs or fullbacks call plays for the fullback or tight ends. Guys that were tight ends like to call plays for tight ends. It's just, it's an inherent bias that's tough to get away from. And I think that's a big part of John Elway's issue. You look at the guys they've gotten, the Paxton Lynches, the Brock Osweilers, he really likes size. He really likes strong arms. Today's NFL is much more about your mind getting the ball out of your hands quickly and doing everything faster, processing faster, moving in the pocket faster, throwing it faster. Well, if you're 6'8", you got a long lever. you got a long arm. It takes a while for that ball to get out, and I think that I think it's a negative. Now, Brady's just about 6'5". I don't know why they list him at 6'4". Brady's tall. He's just about 6'5". But he's figured out how to get rid of the ball quickly. A lot of these other big guys, Dave, have not. But that's not their only issue there. And it's weird, no. too, because the Broncos are one of those teams, almost like the Steelers, that it seems like the Broncos are always at least mediocre, always at least good. Like, you can't think of very many years when the Steelers or Broncos have losing records, and yet here we are with both of them this year. Yeah, of course, for very, very different reasons when you lose a franchise quarterback like Roethlisberger, extenuating circumstances. But the Denver Broncos have gotten worse in just about every position on the football field, with the exception of defensive end. Look at that defensive line, the interior and the secondary. Whoever is at fault, everyone's at fault when Leonard Fournette rolls for 200 25 yards rushing the way he did against the Broncos last week. Something is broken. Vic Fangio's only four games into his Denver Broncos coaching career, but you begin to wonder, boy, how much deeper a hole can they dig there in Denver? Will at some point the city of Denver uh, ever turn on John Elway? I can tell you I'm from there. He could be elected governor to this day. Still the most popular sports figure in the state. 
tenfold, even though Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl, even though Nolan Arenado is a future Hall of Famer for the Colorado Rockies, even though uh, they have some outstanding Denver Nuggets, uh, they've won a couple Stanley Cups, John Elway looms large over that entire state. And the only thing that I don't understand, you make good points about the quarterback evaluation that he is blind because the game has changed. John Elway was extraordinarily uh, athletic quarterback. He wasn't just a static, sit-in-the-pocket, Joe Flacco type of guy. John Elway was extraordinarily bright, went to Stanford, and was very mobile. The signature plays to me, of course, the helicopter play against the Packers in the Super Bowl, but rolling right, throwing left, rolling left, throwing right. A very mobile quarterback, and he is not found a mobile quarterback to run this Broncos team. Might be time in this ownership quagmire in which they're in right now to move on from John Elway before it is uh, it is too late, Ross. Well, and that's the weird thing too, Dave, is they're in a unique situation there with the ownership quagmire, with the amount of power that John Elway has. They would never fire him. It would be something where he would announce that he's stepping down. But I think we're getting closer and closer to that happening. And at some point, they're going to have to be looking perhaps for a new GM. I, I think it's always awkward when someone is as popular as John Elway, but you get to a point where they're not doing the job and the Broncos might have to hire a new GM. One place they could do it, of course, is ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. You can't afford that when you need a new general manager like the Broncos might. Cafe Altura's COO Dylan Miskowitz knew that. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. You know what he did? He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants, very cool, so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ziprecruiter.com enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. All right, so we talked about the Denver Broncos losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What was interesting about that is they do it without their best football player, Jalen Ramsey, who was inactive for that game after a head-scratching week of different reasons he could not play. First, it was the flu called in sick Sunday night. Then he had a back injury, and then he had to go be with his girlfriend for the birth of their second child. 
He flies with the team to Denver and then is in a sweatshirt on the sideline. The latest reporting on the Jalen Ramsey situation with the Jags. And again, if you don't know Ramsey, arguably the best cornerback in the league, at least top three, top four, is that the Jags want at least two first round picks for Ramsey. Some reports that they'd be willing to settle for a first, a second, and an additional player. Also reported by Jason Lockett for CBS Sports, our friend here on Home and Home, that they already turned down an offer for two first-round draft picks because they felt that team would finish out the season very well and those picks would come late in the first round for two consecutive seasons. So what are they gaining right now? Clearly, Shad Khan is the one holding this up, wants to hang on to Ramsey. But when he's inactive, what are the Jacksonville Jaguars Jaguars going to do here? Do they have to unload him for something? And do you think the Eagles have to continue to up an offer? No firm confirmation if they have made an offer. This is a really, truly unique situation. Most people believe that it was the Eagles that offered the two first-round picks. I have no inside information there. I have no idea which team it was. I know that their general manager, Howie Roseman, is typically very aggressive when it comes to player acquisition. The Eagles are having issues in the secondary, uh, both performance and health issues at this point. And there's clearly a, a beating of a drum in Philadelphia for the organization to go out and get Jalen Ramsey. I think two first-round picks is a lot, especially when you consider the money you're going to have to give Jalen Ramsey. And just the kind of noise that comes along with him, that you know, talking about guys on GQ magazine, every quarterback sucks, and just, I don't know. I mean, you have to think about whether or not that's who you want to bring to your franchise. But the Jaguars better get it together because he's not playing for them. They have a time to a long-term deal. They haven't traded him. They're in a holding pattern right now, which doesn't really seem very productive in my mind. And there are reports that the owner is the one holding it up because the owner's probably thinking, you know what? I might be getting rid of this head coach and this GM after the year. I'm not so sure I want to get rid of arguably our best player. Maybe the new GM, the new head coach could figure it out with this guy. So it's a it's a really weird situation right now in Jacksonville with Jalen Ramsey. And to have this guy just sitting on the shelf inactive, one would hope if you were a Jags fan, he gets in uniform. This team is capable. It looks like the way that Gardner Minshew is playing, the way he executed late against the Broncos, one would think that division is not out of the question for this Jacksonville team, a story we will continue to follow. But first... We have to get into the performance of the week from Ross Tucker, crushing Chick-fil-A along with his good friend Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin Hawkinsmith, excuse me, of Penn Live joins us now to talk about this epic eatery. Uh, good to see you, Dustin. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. I gotta let you two just kind of tell me exactly what went on uh, and the planning. Uh, Ross, why don't you take it from here? I, I don't even know where we start with this one. Yeah, well, so here's the deal. Um, Dustin is the food guru for Penn Live, which is 
the newspaper media company in central Pennsylvania in Harrisburg and Hershey. Harrisburg is the state capital of Pennsylvania. Dustin does other stuff as well. He does the high school wrestling. He covers Penn State and Big Ten football. I don't know how he got this food guru gig. It's a relatively recent gig. But he's had a bunch. Before we even get into the Chick-fil-A stuff, Dustin, lay out some of the different food guru videos, breakdowns you've already done. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Okay, so I started the first one I did um, was Wegmans. I think we talked about that last time I was on the show. By the way, I don't know if you can see. There's sad rocks right there. Uh, I, did, I did Wegmans, every item in the hot bar. I did every item on the value menus from Wendy's, Taco Bell, McDonald's, and Burger King. That one was a multi-day affair, and every day was painful. Uh, did frozen pizzas. Uh, like grocery store chains pizzas versus name brand pizzas, uh, fried chicken for National Fried Chicken Day. I did the buffet at the local casino, Hollywood Casino. That also was brutal. A lot of items on that. <laughs> uh, Chick-fil-A just yesterday with uh, with Ross. And I think, Ross, you sort of saw that um, – I don't know. I mean, there's a little bit of prep work that goes into like staging all that stuff. And it's just ends up being not quite as much fun as you would think. Right. Yeah, that's how I would describe it uh, as well, Dave. So you go we go to Chick-fil-A and we have a video of Dustin and I in the drive through, which is epic. You should check it out. We're going to play the audio here. Hi, Simeon. How are you? Good, yourself? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. And just a name to start off the order? Ross. Okay, and then what can I get for you? I would like to get one of everything. Just one of everything? Yeah. Okay, so that's a, <laughs> did you want like, just literally one of everything? One of everything you have. Okay. If it's on the Chick-fil-A menu, I would like one, please. Okay. <laughs> one of everything. Four, what did it cost? Four. Poor Simeon. It was a it was a hundred bucks. It was a hundred bucks. I, I kind of thought it'd be more. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, we got five or six shakes, but they forgot the cookies and cream shake. We got grilled nuggets, but not also like I would say we probably ended up getting ninety to ninety five percent of the items. I don't know if we ended up actually getting. But then the flip side is they gave us two of some things. Like two spicy chicken club uh, sandwiches and stuff. So, I mean, he was pretty flustered. Uh, Simeon was a good sport. He thought it was great. You know, he saw that Dustin was videoing me while I was asking it. So, he like, he, that, that, I love that video. Poor Simeon. Go ahead, Dave. Your reaction to the video first. Well, yeah, I, I was just curious uh, what, what they did leave out because you never get everything at a drive-thru. How long did it take and where did we eat it? Because it's got to be hot to get the true taste of what you're eating. You can't take it like 20 minutes away. Well, well there, there, go ahead, Dustin. Yeah, well, you kind of have to sometimes. It's a whole big thing with, you know, not being able to record in the Chick-fil-A. That was, that was the first thing. Uh, the... Mm. It was an eight-minute experience in the drive-thru. Our, our uh, video guys were behind us, which is probably better than you think. But yeah. when you're in the when you're the car behind, that is eight torturous minutes. That was, those are long <laughs> minutes. 
Ross expressed some concern about doing it in the drive-thru in the first place, but I was like, no, 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 we'll, we'll just do it there. Now, the video was awesome. Like video, The video of you ordering, I think, played out exactly how you wanted it to. The guy was like, okay, so one of everything. Not really hitting him that we were getting one of everything on the menu. And then it hit him, and he was a little bit confused, a little bit flustered. That part took a while for him to check all the boxes. Ross was getting stuff customized with his no-pickle nonsense. It just was – eight minutes felt like a long time in a drive-thru. <laughs> so, okay, what happened so next? Dave, yep. so, so, Dave, a couple of things, right? So, number one – we did not get permission from the Chick-fil-A operator to film in the Chick-fil-A. So we had to get all the food at Chick-fil-A and then drive it back to my house. And then when we got back to the house, the Penn Live videographer wanted to take a video of every item individually before we actually got to eat or drink it, which was painful. On the drive through, oh. on the drive back to my house, I said, the heck with this, split the chocolate shake. I'm eating half of a chocolate shake right now, gosh darn it. I'm not waiting till we get back. But then all the sandwiches, and I don't know what you weirdos are doing at Penn Live with every single pristine looking sandwich at Chick-fil-A, but he had to sit there and video every item. And then we had to cut it in half. And then we, so, I mean, we ordered that food at 3.10. I don't think we really started eating it until like 4.30, which was uh, oh. problematic. Um, it, it was less than ideal if we're being honest. I will say this, though, Dave, that blew me away. And, Dustin, I want you to chime in on this. It took like eight to ten minutes or whatever to order the food from Simeon. But then we went around. And it, and it, this Chick-fil-A, I think most Chick-fil-A's, if they don't have an item ready for you right away. They tell you to pull over to a parking spot. There's like five parking spots where you sit there and they'll bring that one item out to you. I've had to sit there a couple times just ordering for myself. We got around, we said hi, to, I forget her name, the money girl, like Jessica, maybe, hi Jessica, and we kept going, and we get there, and the, the drive through manager looks up at the board, like, they always know what the next order is, so he looks up at the board and sees how big it was, and was just like, he goes, whoa, and I said, do I need to pull over to a parking spot, and he said, not yet, I, I think we might be good. They, within two or three minutes of being at the drive-thru window, they handed us two bags, five shakes with all of the food, Dave. It was unbelievable. Like, I, I was – that was the most surprising part of it for me, Dustin. Yeah. How about you? Well, to, to be – so your car sits up high. You were able to really get a good view inside at the absolute flurry of activity – going on inside there it was like the oompa loompas at the willy wonka's chocolate factory like the, everybody was doing something really quickly and that was really surprising to me too that they were able to do it so quick and it's just it was a really pleasant experience i mean really from start to finish but at the window for sure you know you're watching them make all these shakes you know having and it's a it's a pretty painful thing i'm sure if, if somebody gets one of every single one of them so yeah i thought i thought they were awesome at the window for sure yeah, if that was Popeyes, you'd have been there for an hour and a half. Easy. All right, Dustin, enough buildup. 
take me to the moment of truth and the actual tasting of said food that had to survive an hour. So, yeah, I mean, some of the time and, and most of these things go this way where you, you know, we're taking pictures of them. Oh, look at that guy. We're taking pictures of them. And, uh, you know, that delays the experience. You have to use your imagination like, OK, if this was hot, this would be really awesome. So you kind of have to uh, project a little bit. Uh, most of the chicken sandwiches were probably as you would expect. Like we, we thought, uh, I think we both agreed that adding cheese and stuff just didn't do a whole lot for the sandwich itself. Like I think if we were to order, we wouldn't pay extra for that stuff. Uh, the macaroni and cheese was really good. That was my first time having that, uh, was really good. That definitely met my expectations, which were high. The salad was really nice. Not something that either of us, I think would ever order at a Chick-fil-A. But um, for those weirdos who do get a salad at Chick-fil-A, I think you'll have a good experience with it. Uh, what was it? it was the, the kale and uh, raisins in some kind of vinaigrette was surprisingly really good, too. So like the side items, I think uh, I hadn't had many of them and they were definitely um, better than I expected them to be. Yeah, that would be my my big takeaway, Briggs, from the food was um, don't ever. You know, you never have to order cheese on your Chick-fil-A sandwich. It, you don't even taste it. it it's like a waste. It really is. Um, and if you like spicy, the spicy's good. The grilled nuggets, the grilled chicken sandwich, they just taste like any grilled chicken sandwich you get at any little uh, snack place or lunch place or whatever. There's nothing unique or – I mean, it's good. But it's not unique or special. The star of the show remains the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. So tender, so good. I don't recommend waiting an hour and a half to eat it. Um, and that was the one thing. You kind of get grossed out, Briggs, because you're having a, at least one bite of everything. And then on like the tray in front of you, You've got half-eaten sandwiches, like 10 different sandwiches, and it's just like greasy and kind of gross. I will say I very much did enjoy – Dustin's right. The fruit salad was good. The raisin vinaigrette thing was good. I like trying all the different shakes. Cookies and cream is still the best, followed by chocolate. I might I might do that frozen lemonade thing third. That had a unique oh, flavor, yeah. unique taste, but I kind of like the frozen lemonade thing. Then I would go strawberry, then vanilla. I didn't even try really that coffee shake thing. That's just kind of weird. Uh, but that was my big takeaway. They don't really have that much variety. I mean, they just have a bunch of different chicken sandwiches and a few fruit things, and a bunch of different shakes. It's not like Burger King or some of these other places where they have a bunch of different items. They keep no. it simple, stupid. All right, so was it like a survival of the fittest, Dustin? Like, who do you feel like came through this contest the best, you or Tucker? Well, I'm more seasoned than he is. Uh, <laughs> I also, as Ross pointed out, I was sweating more than he was. I don't know if that was the food or – just me being me or whatever. But when you do enough of these, like Ross, take that feeling. Like we had, I don't know, what would you think it was? Like 20 items or something like that. Now take that times three while you're sitting at the Hollywood casino buffet. And that one, by the end of it, I was laying on the floor like a tranquilized bear. Like you can't even move at the end of that thing. 
This was not that bad. I went home and ate dinner like an hour later. Ew. No, you, did you really? Yeah, I got a chicken sandwich. No, I didn't get a chicken sandwich, but I, uh, I, I ate a little bit of dinner. Like an, it was like, uh, like two hours later, probably. Wow, you're an animal. I didn't eat anything else the rest of the night. You know, the thing that's weird, too, about it, Dave, is you're like you're so hungry because you know what you're about to do. So I didn't eat anything since like 1030 saving up for this and I'm starving. I just wanted to crush the shakes and I just wanted to eat the whole first sandwich so bad. Uh, it's a unique challenge. It really is. My big takeaway, honestly, is I'm already an excellent order. I already am terrific at what I do. I'm already doing it right. It's a number one, no pickle, and never mayonnaise. Coke oh, Zero man. is your drink. Then you get a cookies and cream shake, hand spun. Then you get nuggets so that you can dip them. I'm okay with two Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I'm okay with that. But I like a little bit of variety, just some nuggets. I don't need any more of the bun to dip it in the different sauces. What I came away with thinking is, if I need to get healthy for some reason, I'll do that uh, kale and raisin thing with a nice flavor. I'll get the fruit salad. But I, right now, already am the best orderer at Chick-fil-A in the country. And it just reinforced that, which makes me really happy. You know it's what's a very hilarious? big deal. Yeah. You know what's hilarious is that you're like, it was a grind to get through this. And then you go what you order every single time. And it's like basically what we got yesterday. You're like, then I go down to shake, then nuggets, then another sandwich, <laughs> three orders of fries, then another shake, and then a Coke Zero because I don't need the calories. All right. So, Dustin, Ross gave us his takeaway. His What did, what did you learn yesterday? Uh, well, I learned today that Ross is the best orderer in the country. Every time I, this is my second time on the show, I learned something that Ross is the best at. That's a pl- that's always a pleasure. He's the best at telling you he's the best at stuff. Also, uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as yesterday, uh, I I really think keeping it simple, like the beauty of the Chick Fil A sandwich is in its simplicity. Like they have the chicken, it's very very well executed, and that is more than good enough. I think when you're ordering at Chick Fil A. Getting this that simple item, I think that's more than good enough for me too. Like it was nice to kind of do all these things, but I don't know how many of the uh, other things I would actually order. Like I just want to keep it simple too. Well, this has been 15 torturous minutes for our viewers who are now starving and our listeners on the radio.com app. Very educational though. Dustin Hawkinsmith from Penn Live. I'm not sure if our values align, but we sure have earned a corporate sponsor here on Home and Home. Dustin, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Tucker, I hope you got a good, solid workout when you were done, man. No, nah, I, I, I did I did cardio for like an hour this morning, so that that helped. But I I did not feel good. I still don't feel great, by the way. I I have uh, I'm having some GI issues. Thank you for asking. Oh well, that was wonderful information to pass <laughs> along to our audience. You are welcome, folks. Coming up, we'll try to redeem ourselves with Craig Hoffman from DC 106.7 The Fan. In the nation's capital, we're talking about the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs. It is October 1st, and and we Dan Snyder's once proud for organization.
Yeah, You're I'm looking forward to it. All right, we'll be back after a quick break with Craig Hoffman. It is October 1st, which means it's the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Game one, Brewers at the Washington Nationals. Let's talk about that and all things Redskins. With Craig Hoffman from 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Greg, Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker, good to talk to you. It's not often that the start of the Major League Baseball playoffs coincides with the end of the NFL season, but that's the case when you're a Redskins fan and you are absolutely hopeless, as you know. Craig, who do you lay this at the feet of? Well, it depends on what you're talking about in terms of this season and the specifics of, for instance, the loss the other day to the Giants or the big picture. I think the big picture, though, is pretty simple, and that is it's at Bruce Allen's feet. And the fact that Bruce Allen is still the president of this team lies at Dan Snyder's feet. They are trying to do two different things at once, and I think this league is too hard to do that. You can't both rebuild and and do things, you know, make some of the decisions they have, and then also claim that you want to win right now. If you want to win right now, you don't draft Dwayne Haskins with the 15th overall pick. If you want to win right now, you're not locked in the last holdout in the league with the franchise left tackle and Trent Williams. Those guys are Trent would be for you and uh, you know Dwayne would not be on the team because they would have spent the 15th pick on a player who was ready to contribute right now. They would have listened to their scouts and their coaches who said, hey, like he's a good kid and he's got a ton of talent, but he's not going to be ready to help us right now. So let's do something else with this pick. And Bruce and Dan decided to uh, try to proceed in two different directions at once. And the result is they're 0-4 and discombobulated as a franchise. Craig, what do you think they thought this season might be like? I mean, I thought they'd be one of the five to ten worst teams in the NFL. What do you think they thought they'd be? I think they thought they'd be in contention for the playoffs. And frankly, you know, if they're healthy, I don't think that was a crazy thing to think. They certainly weren't championship caliber, but they could compete week in, week out. But the problem is, I mean, their best players are all hurt. I mean, you look at the top salary guys on this team, I think the only one of the top five playing, if I'm not mistaken, is is probably Ryan Kerrigan. I guess Josh Norman's up there too. So Kerrigan and Norman are playing, but Alex Smith is obviously not playing. He's the most expensive player ever on the roster. Trent Williams is locked in a holdout. Brandon Sheriff is on his fifth-year option as one of the more expensive players. He missed last week. Jordan Reed is concussed. He's one of the more expensive and obviously one of their best players. So this league is about your best players playing really well and then your depth filling in the gaps. Actually, the Redskins' young players, some of their depth players are playing at a level that you'd kind of expect. The problem is none of their stars are playing well. They're either not playing at all or guys like Kerrigan and Norman are not having good years. So they really are kind of hopeless. And, you know, I, I think that if a guy like Jordan is out there, he's such a massive difference maker that that's not a crazy thought. But when you're going to, you know, do what you're doing with Trent Williams, let's say, and you as a front office are the reason he's not on the field, then you're not even giving yourself a chance. And that's why, you know, I wrote a, a, a fairly harsh article, I would say, that has gotten a lot of traction for our website uh, because I thought it just needed to be said that, this front office is, is leaving their coaching staff out to dry and their players out to dry with the things that they're doing, the decisions that they're making, and shrinking a margin of error that was not very big to begin with. Who's the best quarterback on the roster right now? 
to win Sunday. Well, no one to win yes. Sunday because they're playing the Patriots. But let's pretend that they're playing a team they have a chance against. Uh, I think Colt right. McCoy is fairly obviously the answer. Um, oh. Dwayne Haskins is is clearly not ready to play. And everyone who said, oh, you know, we'll see. Let's let's see what the kids got. And all of us that were screaming, no, he's not ready. I think we were proven quite right on Sunday. It's not just you know the the not uh, or lack of ability to read a defense and and all those things at this point. He doesn't even have the operational side of things down. Getting the team lined up and the ball snapped is a struggle for him at this point. So he's just not ready yet. Uh, and Case Keenum is just bad. I mean, straight up, he's been bad through four games. He had one good half against Philly. He was pretty bad in the second half. He was bad against Dallas. He was bad against the Bears. He was awful against the Giants and winds up getting pulled. And now Colt, as long as his leg is is fine, you know, he's been battling back from that broken leg, which is a whole other story, by the way, if you want to put some more blame on the front office. And not to, like, I, I know this sounds like I'm just piling on, but, like, this is all stuff that's happened. These are the facts. Like, they decided at the end of last year to try to have a basically emergency quick-fix surgery to get Colt McCoy ready for a potential playoff run, even though they were just minute chances that they were going to be able to make the playoffs. And the result was he needed three follow-up procedures and is not ready yet to play at the start of this season. Uh, they try to rush him back for training camp and, and he wound up re-injuring it and has been off. And so finally he looks to be ready to play and he actually knows what to do in this offense. He knows the offense really well. He's been here for six years. The problem for him has been staying healthy more than anything else. And then obviously being stuck behind Kirk cousins for three years, Alex Smith last year, then he comes in and gets hurt. So Colt is, is, it's fairly easy, actually, if you're Jay Gruden. As long as Colt makes it through the week of practice healthy, he's your starter on Sunday. And if not, I think you just play Dwayne and see what happens and chalk it up to a giant learning experience in which you're going to get your butt kicked. So I guess that was my question, Craig. I didn't see every snap of the Giants game, but I felt like Keenum did some positive things in the second half of the Bears game after a terrible first half. I obviously saw him against the Eagles. I mean, did he do enough on Sunday that he deserved to be pulled in, what was it, early in the second quarter against the Giants? It was, Yeah, it was mid-second quarter. It was about seven minutes left. And, yeah, it, I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer. Um, he missed Trey Quinn wide open twice deep for touchdowns. Those are game-changing kind of plays. They were, the first one was a perfectly clean pocket. The second was a clean enough pocket by NFL standards that he has to make those throws. And then from a decision-making standpoint, he's missing open guys. His eyes aren't in the right place. I mean, it's just bad. Um, it, it, it felt hopeless. And I think that ultimately is why if you're Jay, you have to make that decision. As much as they don't want to go to Haskins there, and Colt was inactive on, on Sunday uh, for those that didn't have a close eye on it, so it's, it's either Keenum or Haskins. And, and I think you literally are at the risk of losing the locker room and losing your team if you don't make the switch at that point because Colt or uh, Case was so bad. Uh, and just it felt like you didn't have any kind of hope with him in there. So, yeah, it was that bad for Case. And, and I think he had been bad. Like, yeah, the second half of the Bears game was okay. He did some okay things. But then he also goes on that fourth and one and tries to jump over the pile in the middle of the field in the biggest play of the game and gets the ball swatted out. But all he's got to do is bury his head forward on a quarterback sneak and you continue to give yourself a chance. So his multiple high profile mistakes, missing big play after big play, uh, and then making, you know, the turnover decisions that he had, um, those I think are, are benchable offenses. And, and that's why Jay pulled the plug. 
Ah, so positive in the nation's capital, a lot like our political scene there. Talk with Craig Hoffman, 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Follow him get me trust, at Dave, Craig Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, we'll steer clear of that. Patriots a 15-point favorite. Surprising, that is the, the all the spread against New England. I thought it would be north of 20, given the way that Giants went game, uh, game yeah. win. So Jay Gruden, uh, obviously on the hot seat, going to lose this weekend uh, against New England. Can he survive this season? And what's what are they accomplished by if they do let him go midseason? Is there anyone on that staff that could take over and improve things? Or is there another coach that they maybe get a jump start on? Yeah, I mean, ideally, if they move on from Jay and they could like somehow get a jump start on Lincoln Riley, like that'd be sweet. But Lincoln Riley is going to have options. Everybody is going to yeah. be after Lincoln Riley. So I don't think that there's anybody that like, here's the problem because they're so dysfunctional as an organization, because their reputation is so bad. The idea that anybody with options is going to pick them is a fallacy. It's not going to happen. So if they want someone on staff, uh, Kevin O'Connell would be the guy who is a future potential head coach and, and probably a future head coach in this league. They could go ahead and make that switch. But Kevin hasn't so much as called plays before. So I think the other option that they have is elevating um, Br uh, Bill Callahan, their offensive line coach, who has been a head coach before, obviously, and then handing the play calling duties over to Kevin as the offensive coordinator, where Jay is obviously calling the plays right now. And that could be an option for them moving forward if they wanted to go that route. And then depending on how Kevin handles that and that, that additional responsibility, they could make the call in the offseason if he's the guy they want long term. And also Kevin has to accept that. I don't I'm not 100 percent sold that Kevin, who has been around this league and worked for different organizations, is not some Redskins lifer by any means. In fact, as a player, he was drafted by New England. So he certainly knows how good organizations run. If he looks around and says, you want to know what? I think I'm probably not going to take this head coaching job because I don't think it's going to set me up for success. And that might be the last head coach job I ever got. I don't, I don't think that's out of the question either. So uh, in terms of Jay, does he have a chance to stay the whole year? Yes, he does. Despite the record, despite how poorly it's going, he is still trying to win games. He hasn't lost the locker room completely. And Dan Snyder doesn't like firing people midseason. He's actually only done it once. And it was very early on. I think his first year or second year, uh, he fired North Turner and went to Terry Rubisky midseason, but that was 1999. As bad as things got with, say, Jim Zorn, which was embarrassingly bad by the end in terms of the on-field product, he didn't fire in midseason. As bad as things got with Mike Shanahan in a 3-13 and season in 2013, where Shanahan was leaking everything to the press, specifically to Adam Schefter, week after week after week after week, he didn't fire him until after the season. So I, I think that Gruden might just get by through the season because Snyder, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in moving on. That said, they get smoked by New England this weekend in a stadium full of Patriots fans, which will happen. Uh, then I, I think there's a chance that Dan just gets fed up and feels like they're ha they have to make a move. Um, the other moves to watch, obviously, defensive coordinator Greg Minuski. Like, I could see him getting fired at some point. But Jay has been really reticent to, to do that as well because when they look at the tape, they see players who are not executing the call so they kind of feel like well shoot it doesn't matter what we call like these guys have to execute it uh and unless they execute we can't really evaluate the calls i think that's silly and ross you'd have a better perspective on this as a guy who played but like part of execution is understanding what you're doing which is going to go back to how you're taught 
And if the installation and the teaching is not up to par, that's going to hurt the eventual execution on Sunday. And that's why I think I would make a change if I were them, uh, specifically on the defensive staff. I don't know that you necessarily have to with Jay, but the defensive staff, I think, is where the most likely change is. But Jay is certainly on the hot seat, you know, every single week moving forward. So I want to transition, uh, Craig, believe it or not. I am a Phillies fan and I'm sitting here and we got him. We, we got Bryce Harper, yet we're not going to the postseason, and the Nats are. I know you primarily cover the Redskins down there, but you're in D.C. Can you refresh my memory? What was the reaction of the Nats fans when they lost Harper, and did they think they had any chance to make it to the postseason after Bryce signed with the Phillies? Yeah, I mean, they definitely did. And by the way, our station today, this I didn't get a chance to update this, but uh, we are 106.7 The Nats today, and, and anyone can listen to uh, The Nats game on our station tonight. Uh, so good company man I am. Uh, but they, they definitely thought that they had a chance to make the playoffs because they had really good young players that were ready to come up and replace Bryce. They were ready to lose Bryce. Not that they wanted to. They certainly were trying to figure out a deal to keep him around. Um, but they weren't going to overpay. They weren't going to give in to kind of what he was really looking for and what Scott Boris kept pushing for and pushing for and pushing for, uh, in part because they had a guy in Victor Robles who they were ready to call up and, and have play. Um, they had Adam Eaton, uh, who they eventually wound up sliding to right field, putting Robles in center. And then they had Juan Soto who played last year with Bryce and is one of the best young hitters in the entire league. Uh, patient guy who with a ton of power, which is rare for a young player to have that kind of patience at the plate. So he's a he's a guy that they knew was next in terms of that power hitting outfielder that Bryce was for them forever. And so while I, I think Nats fans were mixed, um, I certainly was one who thought they should have kept Bryce. I think he's one of the few players in Major League Baseball with real star power, and I thought that's valuable to a franchise on top of the fact that he's a good player. And I think once he had had the contract, if it was here, um, some of the pressure would have died down, and, and I think that would have been good for his psyche and, and good for his performance moving forward. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it wasn't crazy to not give him the money. It wasn't crazy to not give in to a 13-year deal that's going to pay him until he's 150 years old or whatever it is. It's actually like 42. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's you know, I, I think for them, the strength of their team is obviously the pitching staff. And so looking at this playoff series, you have Max Scherzer, who's the best pitcher in baseball, arguably on the hill tonight. And then you still have Strasburg and Corbin ready to go. And then Max coming back again. So they're a dangerous team in a five-game series because of those three guys. But um, I think also those three guys and then some of the, the young players that I mentioned to kind of replace Bryce's production were you know, reasons why they felt they could still be a contender after Bryce left. And now they're going to have to figure out, do they pay Anthony Rendon that big money? And Scott Boris has them right where they want him with an MVP candidate type season. Three pitchers, 200 strikeouts against that Brewers staff. Very, very deep. Should be a great game. 808 first pitch on 106.7 The Nats tonight. He's Craig Hoffman. Thanks for being here, my friend. Enjoy the baseball today. You got it. Thanks, guys. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.